Hey everybody, welcome to the Useless Knowledge Podcast, the podcast that reminds you that all knowledge is useless unless you apply it. On this podcast, we will discuss economics, education, business, real estate investing, politics, relationships, and a lot more. Go ahead and like and subscribe to the podcast. Enjoy the show. Episode 1, The Rise of Netflix. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your host, Clinton Woods. Do me a favor right now. Go like and share the podcast. Got a great topic today. Glad to have you here. Uh, The rise of Netflix. That's what we want to get into today. I want to give you a little bit of information just off the bat here. Uh, Netflix, by far, largest streaming provider in the world. They have over 167 million subscribers currently. Uh, So by far the largest uh, video subscriber in the world. But they don't do any ads or commercials, Uh, no ads, no commercials. So we have to look at, number one, how do they make money? And so the way they do that, their model currently is they charge each one of those 167 million subscribers somewhere between $9 and $16 a month to access the content on the platform. Roughly 60% of households uh, in the U.S. have Netflix account. And in 2019, Netflix accounted for roughly 10% of screen time in the United States. So 10% of all screen time. Netflix. Uh, Netflix, 23-year-old company, uh, in that 23 years, has been pretty impressive. They have moved from renting movies to making movies. And one of the unique things that they've been able to accomplish is they've been able to create a viral buzz over and over again uh, with some of their some of their uh, projects. So whether it's a movie, whether it's a television show, a series, they've been able to create a viral style, style buzz. And so we look at a movie, I want to look at one uh, Bird Box, if you remember this film, uh, released the first four weeks after it was released, they had 80 million household views. And so this movie was viewed from 80 million separate households. And so that is an impressive feat in and of itself. I remember a lot of the buzz circulating that movie. People were trying to figure out what is Bird Box? Where can I watch it? And so the ability to create those type of uh projects that pull people in is is extremely impressive and extremely beneficial to the bottom line currently netflix the seventh largest internet company behind amazon google jd.com alibaba facebook and tencent few of these companies are not based in the united states but uh, amazon uh, number one and netflix falls in at number seven but everything is not all roses for netflix on the horizon there are uh, a lot of challenges. If we look back to 2007, Netflix enjoyed what effectively was a monopoly. They had a 91% market share. Fast forward to today, that market share is 18%. They have been able to uh, grow that grow that market, but uh, 18% is much less than 91%. And you can kind of start to see uh, why some of the where some of the noise is coming from with those people that are uh, saying that Netflix is heading towards a downturn, heading towards a uh, fall off, going to start losing market share, going to start losing uh, dollars and may not make it uh, through some of the coming challenges. And so we look at the horizon. They've got competitors, Amazon Prime Video, Hulu, YouTube, Disney Plus. They're grabbing up market share left and right. You have plan projects uh, from NBC and HBO. AT&T has a new service. And so Disney is is unique because they've recently proved that they can also create a viral buzz with some of their original content. Last year, 
Disney released the project The Mandalorian. And one of the characters from that show, Baby Yoda, kind of went viral and took the internet by storm. And uh, people were, were rushing in to try to watch and see what that was all about. And so the question that we get to is, is Netflix in trouble? Is Netflix in trouble? And so before I answer that, I want to give you a little bit of background on Netflix, how we got to the point we are today. How did they climb this mountain so far? And kind of to do that, I want to go back to the inception. Netflix was conceived in 97, 1997 by Reed Hastings. He's the current CEO and another gentleman, Mark Randolph. And so if you remember, Netflix came in, they were a DVD mail rental service. And so they basically, you went online, you ordered a DVD, they mailed it to you, you watched it, you mailed it back. And so they were essentially a competitor to uh, stores like Blockbuster, Movie Gallery. If you remember those uh, movie rental stores, this was a uh, kind of a hybrid style competitor to them. And so one of the coolest stories I've heard about the origin of Netflix was that CEO Reed Hastings started Netflix largely because he was upset about a $40 late fee that he was charged for returning the movie Apollo 13 late. Unfortunately, after a lot more uh, research, he did later admit that this was not true, but it created a lot of uh, interest in the company. A lot of people were just an interesting origin story that drew attention. And so uh, if nothing else, it did uh, serve as a, a valuable marketing tool. Also, DVDs created in 1995 took a few years for them to become widely used. And so for those of you that are old enough to remember what we had before DVDs, uh, VHSs. And so we know that there is a significant size and weight difference in a DVD and a VHS. And so this was a significant benefit to the business plan that Netflix was operating on because it allowed them to easier have an easier time of shipping uh, DVDs, which is a little much lighter and much less cost, much easier to deal with in store than VHSs would have been. And so fast forward, we look in 2002, Netflix went public, their initial public offering. Uh, they went public at a price of $15 a share on May 23rd in 2002. They were, all, however, the best performing stock on the S&P from around 2010 to 2019. want to go look at a really pivotal move. And so we, we talked about that, how they were a DVD mail rental service. Uh, and they shifted when they had a partnership with, uh, they created a partnership with Sony in 2009. And this was really right as the time, right when this partnership came together was was really when Netflix really tried to started to take off. And so they had a market value of about just under $30 when they made this partnership. And what this partnership was, was it created the opportunity for Netflix to start to stream some digital content on Sony devices. And so Sony, the PlayStation 3, smart TVs, and a few other devices uh, really, really started the shift from this DVD delivery, uh, keeping inventory, mailing DVDs out, getting them back, uh, and shift into this on-demand digital content. And so we look at that shift. Um, we talked about that that share price just under $30 when this uh, uh, partnership was created. And looking into 2010, when they really, really took off and expanded that partnership to uh, Nintendo, the Nintendo Wii. We look at Apple products, all your iPhones, iPads, iPods. And really, because now they're no longer having to mail out stuff, they, they began to really widen their horizon they moved into canada for the first time and start reaching out into latin american martin markets as well as uh, caribbean 
So we talked, like I said, that, that $30 a share price beginning of 2009. Fast forward to the end of 2010, that share price had climbed up to $175 a share. And so that was a massive jump. And we can see how pivotal that shift from mailing out DVDs to that digital content was. And they continued to climb by mid-February uh, 2011. They were up at $247 a share. And so they were flying very high. Things were going great. Um, important to note, you know, they, they, they were looking to expand uh, globally, trying to push growth. Uh, and to do that, you need capital. And so this, this led to a, a, probably the biggest mistake that Netflix had made in their history. Uh, they, they raised the price. And so they did not really, I guess, have enough feedback into this decision when they did it and how they rolled it out. But they raised the price. And upon raising the price, they lost 800,000 subscribers. They lost 75% of its value uh, all in a quarter. And so the back end, I think third quarter, 2011, they raised the price. They lost 800,000 subscribers in the third quarter alone. Investors panicked as expected when seeing this major subscriber exodus. And so they, they, they had a major drop. They had a, you know, definitely an ill-advised decision, not well thought out. But I get it. You know, you're really trying to push expansion. Um, you're seeing this take off. Things are flying high. You, you begin to overvalue your service in the minds of how consumers will receive it. But, you know, if you're going to grow that fast, you have to have capital. So I get how they got to the decision. Fortunately for Netflix, they were able to recover um, and, and start building back and growing back that stock price and rebuilding that subscriber base. And so that kind of gets us closer to, to today a little bit. They're starting to see their next big challenge. And so what that is, is competition. We talked about how early on in 2007, you know, they had a uh, basically a monopoly. And as we've gone on moving closer to today, we're starting to see more and more competitors pop up. And so we look just take a quick look at Netflix content library um in the in recent years. 20% of that library was made up by Comcast, Fox, Disney, Warner Media uh platform or content that was owned by those companies 20%. And so as they began to get more competition, as more streaming services came online, they began to lose that content. Uh, those companies, as they started up or were bought out by other companies, they pulled that content in order to pull subscribers to their new services. And so just taking a little bit, uh, look at one of these competitors that is very interesting is some of the things they're doing is Disney. And so when we think Disney, we think about you know, Baby Yoda, we think about princesses and those Disney movies, but Disney's a lot bigger than that. Disney owns, uh, they have majority ownership in a, in Hulu, ESPN, ABC, Marvel, Lucasfilms, who's basically Star Wars, Touchstone Pictures, 20th Century Fox, Pixar. And so they have a lot, a lot of content that they can begin to deploy onto their own platform. And so you can start to see why, you know, some people may be thinking that 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 Netflix won't be able to hold on uh, to their spot atop of the uh, streaming world. But, you know, I think that Netflix has made a pivot here. And if you've watched closely, you've seen this uh, over the last few years, they have begun to focus more on their own original content. And so their first uh, original series that they created was House of Cards. 
which was very, very, very successful. But they've been able to, to create successful content. They have really focused on that. Stranger Things, Orange is the New Black, The Crown, Narcos, Ozark. And an uh, interesting one I do want to point out, uh, right around now, uh, Tiger King came out recently, which is a a uh, documentary created by Netflix. And it shows, you know, it was it was another one of those viral style uh, documentaries where people begin to get get involved and, and just hear about it and then go watch it. And so one of the, the cool things that Netflix is able to do because of their flexibility uh, and just how much content they have grown accustomed to creating is they responded to the overwhelming demand by basically adding another episode. And so they just, because so many people were interested in it, because it was so popular, they just announced that they're going to add one more episode. And so you kind of see the the unique ability of streaming companies just to go back out and continue just to change the game, uh, change what we see as the typical normal. Typically, you get what you get. You know, they film however many episodes they're going to film, and that is it. But they just pivoted, added a new episode because demand was so high. When you are, however, creating so much original content, it costs a lot of money. Like, to, to be able to churn out the amount of content that they are churning out and just to put that into some context uh in the year 2018 netflix created 240 original movies or television series and 2019 that number climbed to 371 and so that means that they had they created more than one new project a day more than one new movie and or television series per day that is a huge, huge, huge churnout of of content. I mean, that is huge. And so that costs a ton of money. And so Netflix has been burning cash the last few years. They spent roughly $14 billion on content in 2018. And that number uh, was 20. Uh, no, I'll take that back. That, they spent $15 billion in 2019. And they're looking to spend $14 billion going forward in 2020. And so that is a lot of money where does that money come from and so what netflix has done they have uh really began to they went to the bond market they started borrowing lots and lots of money they started selling bonds to investors and basically what has happened is you know you go to the bond market either corporations government entities you know they'll sell bonds to investors in order to raise that capital and so basically i think we're uh, most everybody is probably familiar somewhat with what a bond is all it is 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 a mechanism for private money to be loaned to either a corporation or a government entity. A uh, few terms just to be aware of is the maturity date of the bond, which is uh, the date in the future in which the original investment will be returned to the investor. Also, the coupon rate that is the basically effectively the interest rate, and so uh, investors should receive a dividend each year or quarterly or however it's it's uh, dictated by that specific bond but the coupon rate determines what percentage that uh, dividend is and so in addition to that uh, the bond rating is important and this this comes into play specifically for Netflix because Netflix has been selling what is referred to as junk bonds and so when a bond rating reaches a certain point in this case double B uh, and so once you hit a rating of double B or lower you are considered to be uh, basically selling or buying a junk bond and so the reason a, a giant a, a bond would be referred to as a junk bond is 
uh, mainly because there's some form of additional risk in addition to what is typically tolerable. In this case of Netflix, they are uh, they have additional risk because of the amount of debt that they are already carrying. And so they have been, like I said, raising a lot of money, borrowing a lot of money. They have a lot of debt, and that makes them a little bit more risky than uh, than would be typically tolerated. But I will say investors have been more than willing in a lot of cases to take the risk with Netflix because uh, they believe, and I probably agree with them, that Netflix has laid out a, a, a reasonable plan that investors can believe that they will uh, get their money back at that maturity date. And so we get to the question, the, the, the kind of bottom line of this, is Netflix going away? Are they in trouble? You know, where, what does the future look like for them? And I'm going to kind of point to what the, basically what the bet Netflix is making is that they can continue to churn up, continue to build out their original content at a rate that will allow them to maintain their current subscribers and continue to build out that subscriber base. They want to build basically a content collection, a catalog that is so big that no one will be able to watch it, you know. And so as they build that, if they're able to to build that catalog, you know, we talked about they spent $15 billion in 2019, looking to spend another $14 billion this year. The goal for them will be able to scale that back year after year. And so one thing you want to do anytime you're looking at any company for any reason, you want to uh, potentially invest or you just want to learn about the company, see how they're doing. Uh, always look at the balance sheet. Uh, all publicly traded companies, you should be able to get a hold of this information pretty easily. And so I uh, won't go all the way through it, but do want to give you a few highlights just to get a feel for how Netflix has, has done over the last few years. And so we look at a few things from the balance sheet Uh Revenue, net income, or profit. And then we also want to look at assets and liabilities. And so we go back to 2017. Uh, we can see they had $11.6 billion in revenue. 2018, $15.7 billion in revenue. And then 2019, $20.1 billion in revenue. That translated in 2017 to a half a billion dollar uh, profit. 2018, $1.2 billion profit. And in 2019, a $1.8 billion profit. And so they've been able to show a profit on the balance sheet uh, the last three years. And so that is impressive with all the debt that they are pulling in. But if you also take a look at the assets and liabilities, uh, 2017, uh, $19 billion in assets versus $15 billion in liabilities. 2018, $25 billion in assets versus $20 billion in liabilities. And in 2019, $33 billion in assets versus $26 billion in liabilities. And so they are uh on the balance sheet doing okay you can kind of see why investors will continue to buy these bonds that they're kicking out as they raise money but like we talked about the long-term goal they have to have is be able to eventually ramp down their production in order to widen that profit gap and so um you know at the end of the day we talked about is netflix going away i'm going to say no i'm going to side with netflix here i think that they can uh overcome these challenges that they have i think they can hold on to their uh, market share, grow their subscriber base. But all that comes down to two things. Can they continue to churn out this quality content that uh, keeps people keeping their subscription? And so okay, that will allow them to maintain their subscribers and build that base. And also they got to pay down these, uh, they have to pay this debt down. And so these bonds that they're selling, they have maturity dates and investors are going to want to be paid. And so if they're unable to pay investors, that will spell doom for them. But I, I'm going to side with Netflix. I think they're going to be okay. 
And I'm going to go a step further. I think that the television, the cable television providers, as well as the satellite TV providers are uh, who is currently on the chopping block. I don't think that they will survive much longer. I think Netflix will survive, outlive them by a significant amount of time. I think that, um, you know, consumers are starting to shift how they consume and how they obtain content. And I think we are going away from satellites on our homes and uh, these cable television feeds. And so. Uh, I will give DirecTV credit. They are currently pivoting, as we know, AT&T owns DirecTV at this point. And so they are shifting basically the same exact style content and delivery uh, method, but they're shifting that to a streaming platform to where uh, you're able to capture that content without a satellite. And so we're seeing that. Uh, also, another indicator to point to is really the uh, the gap between and subscribers. And so Netflix has by far... Uh, more subscribers than any of their competitors. Their next three closest competitors are based in China, and they they have roughly a 60 million sub, 60 million subscriber uh, lead on their next closest subscriber, and they have twice as many subscribers as their next U.S. based uh, competitor, who is Amazon Prime Video. And so, I believe the future looks good for Netflix. I think that they will continue to grow uh, and build. And but time will tell. We'll see if you have a different opinion. Uh, reach out and let me know. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate you. If you have not already, go ahead and like and subscribe to the podcast. Until next time. This has been another episode of Useless Knowledge. Like, subscribe, and share the podcast now. Also, visit the website for merchandise, show notes, or to recommend a topic. And remember, all knowledge is useless until you apply it.